Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast contains discussions of child abuse, sexual repression and sexual abuse, suicide, racism, misogyny, PTSD and PTSD symptoms, and spiritual oppression and abuse, including guilt, shame, and fear. In most episodes, we will be mentioning some of these concepts in a general way without any graphic detail. If any of these topics or other triggering topics will be mentioned in great detail, we will let you know at the beginning of each individual episode, as well as in the show notes for that episode. Welcome back to the Leaving Eden podcast. My name is Gabrielle Hakoen, and I know absolutely for sure that if I were to die today, um, well, Sadie, okay, where do you think that I would end up if I died today? Okay, I are, think you, I know. are you asking like IFB Sadie or are you asking like me now? Because those would be uh, vastly different answers. Oh, let's get both. Oh, okay. Give me both. Give me both options. Give me option both a options. And option B. See which one I like better. Well, okay. So now I would say that I don't necessarily believe in a physical place, like a location of reward or punishment after death, but I do vaguely believe in the concepts of of heaven and hell. But I would say that if you died today, you would have the reward of a life well lived and you would live on in the hearts of those that you've loved and helped. And if there is a heaven that you would go there. But well, I thank have, you. Yeah, you're welcome. Do you I, think, okay. Do you think I'd have time in purgatory first? Oh, yeah. So uh, much. How much time? How much time? Oh, like 500 years, probably. 500. Okay. I mean, that's uh, that's kind of a lot. No, um, I don't think that's a lot. Because I think like 
like saints get like one year or five years. And then people who are like really like Ned Flanders would get like a hundred years. Okay, but Ned Flanders is kind of self-righteous. Exactly. That's what he gets a hundred years for. But like he really, really, really tries to be good. So really 500 years, if you're only five times worse than Ned Flanders, I don't think you're a very bad person. Okay. I mean, that's fine. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Uh, Listen, you asked the question. Years, a lot of time. Yeah. It's not because it's outside of time and space. So you don't actually experience it as 500 years. It's true. I've done a lot of nutty stuff. So uh, yeah. that like if God pulled my highlight reel, he would be like, <laughs> now tell me about this Tell me and i'd be like eating a Ugh. spider and chasing it down with crown royal yeah <laughs> anyway throw back to one of our very first episodes oh man that was a while ago that was a yeah. that was almost a year ago yeah so so that's the uh that's the me answer but if you're asking the ifb me uh, i think she would say that you're currently on the way to hell but if you give me seven minutes in a bible i can fix that real quick IFB Sadie wouldn't even think of kissing anybody before she was married, so I'm pretty sure that you shouldn't be offering anybody seven minutes in heaven. No, 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 no. Sorry. You got that. No. (laughs) (laughs) Seven minutes to change your eternal destination to heaven. You know, how people can understand the entire history of humanity about a dozen key doctrines that have developed over 2,000 years of church history, God's ultimate plan for the universe and God's ultimate plan for your life, as well as a pretty good list of sins that you need to quit. Like, I can get that all in seven minutes. Seven minutes. I mean, that seems like a lot of time to teach all that. I feel like I, I would be better served if you could just send me an Instagram infographic I... that I could share on my story without fact-checking any of it. Oh, <laughs> shots fired. Uh, I don't have an infographic. I could hand you a gospel tract, and then you could get all of this information on a quarter sheet of paper. That sounds about my speed. Okay. Okay. Eternal yeah. salvation for just a few minutes of your time. So we're going to get into all of that today because today we are going to teach you exactly what to do and exactly what to say if a door-to-door evangelist comes a knocking. Because this is, uh, and man, it's taken us a couple minutes to get into this intro, but it this is the Leaving Eden podcast, which is the podcast about my good friend and co-host Sadie Carpenter's life in and escape from the independent fundamental baptist cult so we talk about this cult we talk about other cults religion in general we seek to educate and to inform the public about the dangers of cult groups and to promote freedom of mind freedom of thought and freedom of a religion so if this is your first time listening to the show welcome we love to have you in our audience and i would recommend that you go back and listen to some of our earlier episodes particularly Episode one, in which we define what a cult really is, as well as our five-part first family of fundamentalism series. Super interesting stuff. Gives you all the super wild cult history, all the skeletons, you know, all the stuff takes us up to present day. Yeah, the first family series is specifically about the roots of my subset of the IFB. And there will be more episodes later in the summer. We're going to talk about some of the other sectors and how those branches intersect, how they split off uh, from the IFB as a whole. I'm excited about getting to those, especially I'm excited to talk about Bill Gothard and the IBLP, which is the subset of the IFB that the Duggar family and other kind of famous TV families belong to. And last thing before we get into our topic for today, I also wanted to say a special thank you to our patrons on Patreon. 
we appreciate y'all so much. You are supporting our show and supporting our mission. Yes, and we love all of you patrons who have decided to part with your hard-earned cash to help us make this show happen. What's more, in uh, honor of June being Pride Month, uh, you know, we already said that, you know, we're planning on doing all LGBT-themed content uh, for June, but, you know, we figured it's a good idea for us to put our money where our mouth is, so we have decided that we are going to donate all of our Patreon earnings Uh, as well as our merch profits for the month of June for Pride Month to the Howard Brown Health Center in Chicago, Illinois, which provides medical care for the LGBTQ community. So if you've been thinking of joining the Patreon, uh, just to let you know, if you do it now, all of the money in June is going to be going to a good cause. That's true. Uh, We are also a good cause. The money from (laughs) months other than June goes to a good cause, too. It's us. Yeah. Oh, it's just for June that that we are donating all of that money to help other people who are also a good cause. Also, uh, in that same vein, uh, if you are a queer person who was raised in the IFB or a similar group and you have a story to tell us about it, please, 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 please send it to us in an email. Uh, We are trying to feature people's stories on the show. So if you want to us to tell your story on the show for pride month send it to us at leaving edenpod at gmail.com please include your name uh your correct pronouns and let us know if we can use your name uh in the story when we read it or if you want us to change your name we've gotten several of these stories already and we are really excited to share them one in particular gobby's gonna have to read it because i am not gonna be able to do it without crying Oh, these stories are beautiful. We we want to platform a variety of stories and voices. And as always, if you like the show, you can go join our Facebook group, which is called uh, which is Facebook.com slash Eden Exodus, where the fans of our show can go uh, ask questions, uh, have discussions, share memes. Uh, we get new posts in there every day. It's been a great community. Yeah, so I um I think that's enough of that for now uh because today is an episode that people have been begging us to do for months and months and months and months. Yeah, this is an episode I'm really excited about and I know a lot of our listeners are as well. We are going to talk about the script that IFB soul winners use and more importantly, we're going to teach you how to break that script. Okay, I am so excited. Like people were people have been begging us like in the Facebook group. It's been popping off ever since we said, oh, we're going to do it at the end of May. People have been like, when's that one coming out? And we're like, end of May. Yeah, end of May. So the first thing I want to do, I want to I don't know if you've ever heard this script. And I know a lot of our listeners probably haven't. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to like play out a situation. Uh, I've, I've written a script for you. This is pretty much exactly what a soul winner is hoping will happen when they knock on your door. Okay, so I'm going to pretend to be uh, a a soul win e a soul a to, evil to... unsaved heathen. Yes, mm-hmm. evil unsaved heathen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm going to yeah. be playing myself as a soul winner. This uh, trigger warning, by the way. Uh, I'm going to be quoting the Romans Road in King James. I'm going to be throwing out a lot of Bible verses, and I'm definitely going to be using my church lady voice. So if if any of that, um, I'm going to talk about this more at the end of the episode. This episode actually triggered the hell out of me. (laughs) (laughs) This is this is probably one of the most triggering episodes we have ever done for me. It's like that one where you're just like uh, when you you were talking about like, is that what you want? Do you remember that Uh, one? Which episode? 
you would feel guilty like oh so yes you will get to go to heaven but you'll still feel the guilt and shame about blah 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 do you remember that one oh yes the one where i just like slipped into church voice all of a sudden yes okay yes, now i remember hilarious. this incident yes <laughs> so this uh this might be a little bit like that if my church lady voice is gonna bother you feel free to just, just skip a little bit because like i said this one was unexpectedly triggering for me so watch yourself <laughs> okay just okay. a second here let's go hello hi i'm sadie and this is my friend charlotte and you are Hello, my name is Rembrandt Q. Einstein. Hi, Rembrandt. We're from First Baptist Church, and we were just out in your neighborhood today inviting people to church, and I was wondering if you go to church anywhere. Why, yes, I go to Trinity United Methodist Church over on 4th Street. That's great. That's great. Well, I would love to invite you to come visit our church anytime. Uh, this is actually an invitation from our church. Our address is right here on the back. Sure. I might have to stop by sometime, but I'm sorry. I've got a pot on the stove, and so I've got to... Well, while I'm here, I just wanted to ask you one really important question before I go. Just one question. Sure, but can it be quick? Absolutely. It's just one question. It'll only take a minute. But the question is, uh, if you died today, are you 100% sure that you would go to heaven? Or do you have some doubt about that? Well, I would go to heaven, right? Well, you think so? Well, you can't know for sure, but I believe that I would. Well, what makes you think that you would go to heaven? I go to church every Sunday. I believe in Jesus. I try as hard as I can to be good to people, and I volunteer at the soup kitchen on Tuesday nights. Well, Rembrandt, according to the Bible, being a good person or going to church or volunteering at a soup kitchen is not what takes you to heaven. If I could show you from the Bible how you could know 100% for sure, wouldn't you want to know? Okay, sure. Why not? Well, Rembrandt, the first thing that you need to know is that we are all sinners, and that includes me and that includes you. Romans 3.10 says, For as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. I know that I've sinned before. Would you agree that you've also sinned? I don't know about that. I try to be a good person. I've never murdered anybody or anything like that. Well, I know that the Ten Commandments say that lying is a sin, right? Yes, they do, don't they? Yeah, and I know that I've told a lie before. Have you ever told a lie? Well, every time Dave from work asks me to hang out with him, I tell him that I'm busy. He's a nice guy and all, but I just don't want to hang out with him. Well, just like the Bible says, everyone has sinned. And even if you've only told a little white lie, that's a sin. Romans 3.23 backs that up. It says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The next verse I wanted to show you is Romans 5.12. It says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. That one man in Romans 5.12, that's talking about Adam. Adam was the first sinner, and just like all people physically die at the end of their lives, all people are spiritually dead because of sin. Sin is, it's genetic. It's passed down to everyone. Just like everybody dies, everybody sins. And Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. And that death is referring to hell. The price for sin is going to hell. And this is a lot of bad news, huh? Well, it's a lot to take in all at once. But I've got some questions about this. Rembrandt, I would love to answer all your questions. But first, I want to show you some good news. Because I'm going back to that verse in Romans 6.23 that says, For the wages of sin is death. The second half of that verse says, But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
Rembrandt, God loves you like he loves all people, and he didn't want you to have to go to hell for your sins. So God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross and pay the price for our sins, for my sins and for yours also. Romans 5.8 says, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Rembrandt, Jesus was born and he lived a perfect, sinless life. And then he died on the cross and accepted the punishment for our sins. And the really good news is that after Jesus died, he rose again. If you look at sin like money, it's like you and I owe God a debt that is greater than we could ever pay off, even in a million years. But because of Jesus' death on the cross, he has the ability to pay that debt for us and allow us to be settled up with God. The even better news is that it is easy and simple to accept Jesus' payment for the sin on your account and on my account. Romans 10, 9 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And Romans 10, 13 says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, I guess that all makes a lot of sense to me. Well, let me just ask you this, Rembrandt. If Jesus would accept you right now, just as you are, wouldn't you want to accept his gift of eternal life? Of course I would. Well, Rembrandt, if you're ready to accept Jesus' free gift of salvation, all you need to do is pray with me. Just repeat after me, dear Jesus. Dear Jesus. I know I am a sinner. I know I am a sinner. I know I deserve. I know I deserve. To burn in hell for my sins. To burn in hell for my sins. But right now. But right now. I call on you, Jesus. I call on you, Jesus. And ask you. And ask you. To take me to heaven. To take me to heaven. When I die. When I die. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. For dying on the cross for me. For dying on the cross for me. And for saving me today. And for saving me today. Amen. Amen. Rembrandt, the Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that's what you just did. So if you just called upon the name of the Lord, what does that make you, Rembrandt? Saved? That's right. If you prayed that prayer and truly meant it, then you can confidently say that you know for sure that you're going to heaven one day. I am so glad that God put you in my path today. Let me take that invitation from our church real quick. I'm going to write your name on it, and I'm going to write today's date. Today is your spiritual birthday. I want you to always remember that today is the day that Jesus saved you. Well, you have a nice day and God bless you. Well, you have a nice day too. I would love for you to ha- come visit us at First Baptist Church sometime. Bye-bye. Okay, so that's how it's supposed to go if you're an IFB soul winner, like best case scenario. This scene brought to you by the Leaving Eden players. Yeah. <laughs> did you like did you like Rembrandt Q Einstein? Yeah, that was that was did great. Did you get that reference? No, that was a reference. There was an episode of um, The Simpsons where Homer changes his name to Max Power. Nobody snuggles with Max Power. <laughs> you strap yourself in and feel <laughs> the G. <laughs> no, there was an episode where Homer changes his name to Max Power. But like one of the names that he requested to have his name changed to was Rembrandt Q. Einstein. I didn't remember that part. The other one was Handsome Be Wonderful. I remember Handsome Be Wonderful. <laughs> So, okay, so I have questions for you. Was that about what you expected as far as the script? Was there anything that stuck out to you? I mean, I I guess that's pretty much what I expected. Like, so that's like exactly how it's supposed to go. That's like, yeah, that's like the textbook, yeah. how okay. how they write it out when they give you the script to begin with. Okay, so like, what if what if you're like, knock on the door, right? Somebody opens up the door and you're like, if you died today, where would you end up? And they said, I'm going to hell. Hail Satan, bitch. 
I have heard that more than once. I think I have heard like every possible answer to that question because you got to remember, I, oh gosh, how many doors have I knocked on doing this? Thousands. If I, if it's got to be thousands. It's got to be thousands. If I went once a week for most, if I went once a week for 10 years that I have oh, I had to walk. Okay. Hang on. I got to do that. I'm sorry. I just got a bug and I've got to figure it out. So if I went once a week, 50 weeks a year for 10 years, that's 500 years. I know I would have knocked on at least 20 houses. That's 10,000. So Oh, I was going to say it's probably 1,611 houses because that's the <laughs> number that it always adds up to. <laughs> I was going to say it's 666 houses. My brain is in a slightly different area. Yeah. No, but I've heard like every response. If somebody starts going off on like the Hail Satan stuff, the response is something along the lines of like, you just start kind of yelling over them. You don't have to go to hell. God still wants to save you. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And whosoever means anybody, even you. And so you kind of just like rev the engine and just like start up like that and does that ever work um hypothetically it could i can't recall a time (laughs) i I know i've heard preachers like say that 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 strategy worked for them for sure i can't recall a time that it worked for me um i know that i have the bible and just like well i know that i've had people pray like the sinner's prayer with me that claim to be witches and claim to be satanists but i don't know if they were just doing it to get me to go away or if like or like what the situation was generally if you if you kind of just rev up like that and start yelling bible verses it catches a person off guard and then they either like slam the door in your face or walk away from you or they just like go along with your Jesus sales pitch. Wow. So you, okay, so you guys have or I shouldn't say you guys. So they but they have a say uh, like a prepared response for everything pretty much. Yeah. So this is like this is a mixed bag. So the IFP will send out soul winners who are just like so green. They will literally send people out who don't have any of the verses memorized and don't know the script and they just read off the paper tract that has the gospel in it. Um mm. they will send people out who have really bad social anxiety or really bad stage fright. Um, that doesn't sound like that's a like a recipe for success. It's not, but it's considered to be like character building. So the the thought is that you do it enough times and you kind of lose your stage fright, which is not completely wrong because I did this as a child and I did grow up with zero stage fright. I have spoken in front of thousands of people multiple times in a lot of different scenarios and have no problem doing that. The only thing that makes me nervous is singing in front of people. I can't do that, but I can speak in front of people with just absolutely no issue. So they think that you're just going to like get over it, which works for some people, but I think it's that it doesn't work for everybody. You stick around and you keep going soul winning and they'll send people who are like brand new out with people who are really, really good and really, really trained. You can go to classes like at the church. There are books, there are online courses. There are people who will come to your church and teach classes. I mean, I took an entire college class at Hiles Anderson about how to do this. So as you stick around and as you get serious about being quote unquote, good at soul winning, you learn this sort of pattern and these responses for everything. And even they teach you some psychological tricks to make you more likely to successfully get someone to pray with you. So yes, they have prepared responses for everything, but you're the person at your door 
may be really experienced and know all of the responses, or they may be not experienced and not know what they're doing. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we heard back in the first episode that they would like, I mean, you were like a six-year-old and you were out in the snow with your friend to like soul win for Jesus. I mean, it, it does make more sense that you would send a newbie out with a veteran, but... Yeah, yeah, pairing up the newbies with the experienced people is much more how it's normally done. Me going out with my six-year-old friend going out soul winning was was a total fluke and more of like a the school was irresponsible story than um <laughs> that's not really typical. But me going out soul winning as a 12-year-old with a little kid in tow or somebody else my age in tow, like that wasn't unusual. Because by the time I was a preteen or a young teenager, I was really, really, really into soul winning. Yeah. And and this was also the 1990s. So at this time, it was totally normal for kids to just like be off out in that out of the house for hours at a time. And as long as they came home by dinner, if you were a six year old, you know, or if your six year old were out with a 10 or a 12 year old, you know, that was fine. Yeah. It wasn't a big deal. And the story where I was six years old and got lost out soul winning, that happened in Iowa in the 1990s. My, I mean, growing up, when I lived in Iowa growing up, my parents just let us live outside from like 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. all summer. And it was all fine as long as we stayed on our own property after dark. That sounds like a lot of fun, honestly. Oh, it, it totally was. We were like eating apples off the tree and picking mm. blackberries and all those like running Great around time. all over town barefoot. It was very much a idyllic <laughs> childhood. Is, I was about to say idyllic. But I feel like a lot of that really changed after 9-11. There was a big shift. Yeah, I agree. But I'm pretty sure that it was already kind of passe to ask people, are you going to heaven when you die? Like, I'm pretty (laughs) sure that was socially unacceptable before (laughs) 9-11. So, I mean, that takes us back to our whole IFB soul winning plan, you know, for the salvation script, because I want to get into this. When we were role playing, I was playing a character that we uh, or you intentionally wrote so that I would be the type of character who would be the most likely to be, quote unquote, saved by an IFB soul winner. Yeah, I did write that script to make you a little bit of an easy mark so we could demonstrate the bare basic script. But honestly, I found when I was in the IFB uh, that if, and this is something Jack Heil said that really proved true. If you could get them, if you could get to the point where your Bible was open, most people would play along with the script all the way through to praying the prayer. I I don't know if that sounds like super believable or not. I mean, that is believable to me because I feel like unless somebody is intentionally anti-religious or like irreverent or something, there's a certain amount of respect that people have for a Bible even if those people aren't religious. Yeah, I think that's fair. Do you think it's also because of social norms? Like, do you think these people were playing along to get the weird but harmless religious girl out of their hair? Yeah, and I also think it's also because people are just afraid to offend other people, especially totally like total strangers. They don't want to be rude to somebody or in like potentially insulting for their beliefs. Yeah, I think the respect for the Bible might be a real part of this. Because about half of the people I ever witnessed to that got all the way through to praying that prayer, those people, I think about half of them were either children or teenagers. But that does leave a lot of adults. And I have had a lot of adults go all the way through and pray the prayer with me. Even when I was a teenager, I was having adults like go all the way through the thing with me. I've had literal, I have walked up to a group of five or six young men in gang colors, like clearly gang colors, 
um, and had the entire group pray with me. I've talked about that before. And why? How did I survive that? Mm. So it seems like like an like inadvisable, like kind of let people live their life and don't go talking to them situation. Well, they're not going to hurt. I mean, they maybe they're gang members, but they're not going to like attack you just because you exist. You well, know? that's a thing. But like What's also a lot of gang members, like their grandma's probably religious. Yeah. Or in certain parts of Chicago, they're probably Catholic. It, it makes it makes sense in a way. I, I mean, I've, I've done that. I've talked to moms and dads while their children played on the playground whole birthday parties of adults like they're having a birthday party in the park and i just talk walk up and talk to the entire like grab the microphone and talk to the entire group hungover people smoking on their front porches random old guys walking down the street shirtless almost any type of person you can think of i've gotten to pray this prayer with me here's a question are you a fan of kendrick lamar i'm not not a fan i'm just not real familiar with his work so he has an album called good kid mad city which uh it's like a concept album so like they're they're like all the songs are part of a narrative, but it, it's a story where he and his friends get into an altercation with a rival gang and one of his friends get killed. And then an old woman comes and stops them from retaliating and has them recite a prayer with her and get saved by Jesus. Like literally minutes after their friend gets shot to death by rival gang members, this this lady is like, you need to be saved by Jesus learn to like and and learn to move past these these this bad behavior it's a great album i would highly recommend listening to it if you're interested if you're a fan of hip-hop you probably already know it uh kendrick lamar is a great artist and the lyrics on this whole album are incredible okay is he from chicago by any chance he's, he's from compton Oh, okay. I just I ask because that sounds like the kind of thing that Hiles Anderson kids and First Baptist Church members do to people in Chicago. Mm-hmm. So I just thought I would check on that. But I want to go back to to the script because we're going to talk about some of the ways that it can be derailed and the ways that the soul winner will try to get back on the script. Before we get into that, I want to talk about the concept of easy believism, because that concept is really the entire basis of this idea that you can irrevocably change your eternal destination in a couple minutes on a street corner. Yeah, I mean, it seems wild to me because this whole conversation, like this whole conversation is something that probably, you know, the person who has this conversation might totally forget about it within a week or just not remember it at all. But for the IFB, this like conversation is a conversation that you think of as like, one of the major events in a person's life. Literally the most important thing that will ever happen to you. I, I want to talk about like how flippant the whole thing is. It's like, believe these four things and say this prayer and boom, you're good. And this is one of the major criticisms of the IFB. No, it makes perfect sense to uh, to criticize that because what you're witnessing to gang members, you know, maybe, you know, they're just guys who are raised in a bad situation or maybe they're there because they you know they actually want to be killing or robbing people but as long as they they say this prayer they're saved forever but like joe schmo the methodist guy from the role play wouldn't get into heaven unless you happen to stop by his door that's one of the main things so in this plan of salvation that we just went through one major thing that is left out is a mention of repentance Many other Christian groups believe that in order to be saved, you have to turn away from your sin before you can turn to Jesus. So other people, okay, something I just learned, I'm going to, I'm going to give a real word, real world example. One thing I just learned in accounting class this week is that what constitutes the moment of sale. So sale does not occur 
when the money change changes hands, say the moment of sale is when the property changes hands or the title to the property changes hands. This is like when the goods are delivered. Right. So making an order or having an order placed is not the moment of sale. Uh, the, the sale is completed when the order is delivered. The Baptists, for them, the moment of salvation, if you look at it as the, the moment of sale or the moment of salvation, uh, for the Baptists, it's when you mentally understand that you are a sinner, that God is going to send you to hell, but you don't want to go to hell. So Jesus paid for your sin. So you accept. Jesus gift. You say, yes, I want that. And I've talked it before about the um, evangelicals believe in opt-in grace. Like you have to say, yes, I want it. And then you get it. Whereas the Catholics are saying it's opt out. So you're, you're, you get the grace unless you like do something or, or say so, or like actively reject it. Right. It, Catholics and other denominations are more like, well, God's grace falls on everybody. And if you do something really, really bad, then you've opted yourself out of that grace. Or if you've actively rejected it, you've opted yourself out of that grace. Catholics also believe that, that the moment of if, the, if there's less of a moment of salvation, we don't believe in that as strongly the way that I understand theology. But if there is one, it would be baptism. But there, there really isn't a moment. But if there was a moment, it would be when you're baptized. So the Baptists believe that that moment is when you get saved. Other Christians, however, believe in repentance, which means that there are two parts to that sale. It's like placing the order and then taking the delivery. A lot of other Christians who are not Baptists believe that you have to turn away from sin and then turn to Jesus. And they don't mean that you'll never mess up in sin again, but they mean that you're truly sorry for the sins that you have committed. You could name specific sins that you've done that you are sorry for. And you are ready to commit to the rest of your life trying not to sin. So it's like a two-step process. So you have to yeah. say, I've, I've turn- decided I don't want to live this way anymore. I've done this, 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 this wrong thing. And I'm truly sorry for them. And I want to turn to Jesus. Jesus, will you take me to heaven because I have done these things? Okay, that makes perfect right. sense. That makes more sense than what the... So, so you'll hear a lot of terms thrown around like, like free grace. Um, and, and people try to define the term free grace because the Baptist will say free grace means that you don't have to turn away from specific sins. You just have to turn away from being a sinner and become a saved person. People who believe you have to repent will say, well, it's still free grace. You don't have to, you don't have to do anything except for you, but you do have to repent of your sins. That is also referred to sometimes as turn or burn. Uh, turn from your sins or burn in hell. Lovely turn of phrase there. Yeah. The IFB say that they believe that if someone is really saved, the only repentance that you have to do to be saved is to say, well, I want to turn away from being unsaved and turn to being saved or turn away from being a sinner in general and turn to Jesus in general. And the repentance for specific sins will follow naturally. So once you are saved, God miraculously works in your heart through the Holy Spirit and makes you sorry for your sins and makes you lose the desire to continue sinning. The IFB also believes that if you are really saved, you will gain a desire to be baptized and gain a desire to come to church. But Jack Hiles claimed that his ministry had seen over 1 million people saved, and First Baptist Church of Hammond never had more than about 20,000 members. So the idea that if a person was really saved, that they would show evidence of salvation, like wanting to not sin and wanting to come to church and wanting to be baptized, doesn't really add up. Either that's not true, or a lot of those million salvations were not very sincere. Okay. Also, though, if you think about it, like 
so 20,000 members. That means that each member would have only saved 50 people over the course of their lifetime, which means that if they are going out soul winning like once a week, twice a week, that's pretty bad numbers. That's a poor performance. I mean, yeah, I put up a lot more numbers than that over 20 years of doing yeah, this. Yeah, you were stacking souls in the W column. <laughs> All through yeah, I was, grade school. I would typically, I think through in college, I had a little bit of a harder time. In high school, I feel like I was putting up about 100 people a year. Damn. Um, And I was not. 100 people a year. That's a person all, every like three and a half days. Yeah, it's just a couple people a week. Um, And then sometimes I think my record was in the 40s for a single day. 40s, 40s in a single day. We would go, we would have like a soul winning, we called it a soul winning marathon. And we would go out all day, literally from like morning until it got dark. And what they would do is they would find sports fields where people were having like children's sports games. And you would go and you talk to the coach and you'd be like, oh, can I pray for your team before you play? So you can like pray for your team to win the game. And the coach would be like, sure. And you would go pray for the team. But instead, you would like tell them how to get saved. And then you would have all these little kids get saved. And then sometimes wow. the parents, yeah. And then sometimes the parents were cool with it. And sometimes the parents were like, who the hell is this random person talking to my child? And the parents what? would like chase you off the baseball field sometimes. That is hilarious. Yeah. That's uh, inc- oh, my God, man. So this could go a lot of different ways. Um, Please, dear Jesus, help, help me win this Cougars, game and take me to heaven. <laughs> help the Cougars defeat the Wildcats in this game of T-ball and also <laughs> take all the players to heaven on the Cougars, but not on the Wildcats. Not on the Wildcats. <laughs> so speaking of this, First Baptist Church of Hammond has come under a lot of fire in the past for the way that they present salvation to bus kids. Like I was just talking about, they will gather up huge groups of kids and get them all to pray this prayer. And then they will line them up at like a horse trough or literally just a 55 gallon Tupperware storage tub full of water and baptize them all on the spot in some park in downtown Chicago without parental permission and then count that towards their numbers. And then they also have been known to offer incentives for baptism, like prizes or candy. And then a lot of these kids grow up and there have been multiple Facebook threads with like all these former bus kids and former kids that were from Chicago that say they got saved or baptized two or three or five times because they wanted the candy. See, that's hilarious. But that also makes it feel really insincere. You know, almost like you're getting into heaven on a technicality. Yeah, because even in the IFB's very loose salvation theology, you have to want to accept Jesus. If you're doing it for some other motive, then it doesn't count. So like you technically said the salvation prayer with your mouth a few minutes ago, but you if you if you didn't believe it in your heart, that that doesn't count for them. Even that even the IFB wouldn't count that as a salvation, which is really saying something because they'll count anything. Hmm. So it's worse than getting into heaven on a technicality because a technicality because in their theology these people wouldn't even get to heaven but they ignore their own theology because they want to put up big numbers so is it a sin to mislead somebody about their salvation status because i i feel like so offering incentives doesn't count and you're offering incentives to all these people who thinks it counts but then it really doesn't is uh, is that a sin i've never That's- heard it called a sin 
Because I'm thinking about it like, you know, say you die, you go up to heaven and they're just like, hey, he's like, but, you know, I, I they told me I was going to heaven because I said this prayer. They gave me candy afterwards. It's like, yeah, but you said the prayer three times and like got candy three different times. I don't think you actually meant it. Like you can't you can't come into heaven. You're like, but they told me that I would get to go to heaven for like, man. And then you could like, I guess, sue them. Is there like, you know, like in the good place, how they're trying to sue to get into yeah, the good place? Yeah, the judge. See, if you get misled on earth about that. I mean, that's, see. I see, feel I like don't... that could be grounds for like a legal challenge. Is there laws in heaven the same way that I there's mean, laws the, on the, earth? The way that I believe in heaven, I don't think that God would reject any of those people because like those people just acted on the best information that they had and it was crappy information and that's not their fault. Well, does God have like a gavel and he's just like chilling up there like... I mean, I don't know, you know what like the IFB judge. concept of this would be because they have like very, very detailed concepts of heaven that we're going to have to get into at a different time. But what the IFB will say to themselves to justify this, because they, they won't call it a sin, they will say like it's wrong, but they won't say it's a sin. So they'll tell themselves that the kid did mean it, but the incentive was just a bonus. So they'll jump through their own mental hoops to make what they're doing okay. Oh, so it's like the DJ Khaled album bundle deal scam. Uh, I don't know about that. Do you know about that? Where no, DJ I don't Khaled... follow DJ Khaled because I feel like he's a jerk. There are certain certain comments that he has made have led me to have a very low opinion of him. Uh, yes, I think I'm familiar with the comments that you are talking about. <laughs> I have a, I have a very low opinion of that man. But like a couple of years ago, so DJ Khaled uh, came out with an album, and part of the deal for him to get his album to be number like to debut as the number one album because i think it was released at the same time as like a billy eilish and a tyler the creator album so he was gonna have to compete with them and he wanted it to be the number one album so then he was like okay well i'm going to sell it as like a bundle deal with these energy drinks and then walmart bought a bunch of like cases of the energy drinks which counted as album sales to him even though people didn't actually go and buy the album or stream oh. the album so then the I guess the the people who or Billboard or whoever does the the top forty got wind of this, figured out what he was doing, and they canceled all of those album sales. And then this album didn't get to be number one. And then he got super mad about it. Well, you know what? That serves him right. Yeah. I mean, it that's not completely off track because the IFB, yeah, they will they kind of make their own rules to make what they're doing okay. Salvation theology, it's not universal among Christian groups, obviously. But there are some things that are pretty standard, like the virgin birth and the deity of Christ, the concept that Jesus, death, burial, and resurrection, all three parts, death, burial, and resurrection, pays the debts of all sins. And that's called the doctrine of substitution, which is, I don't want to say universal because there's always some Christian group that believes something wacky, but I'm pretty sure the doctrine of substitution is very nearly universal. The idea that like, I'm a sinner and Jesus is perfect, but Jesus takes my sins and makes me perfect so that I can go to heaven. Substitution. That's It's like almost universal. But what I'm trying to say is that the, the IFB plan of salvation is that the soul winner has been taught all these concepts like the doctrine of substitution and eschatology and like all of this stuff. But they don't explain any of that to the poor person who's being witnessed to. They're asking the person who's being witnessed to to believe in something they don't even understand the bare basics of. And they don't even mention repentance at all. See, uh, the way that you explain it with the Catholics, with the mortal sins versus venial sins, that kind of makes sense. But the way that the IFB is doing this feels super arbitrary. 
Uh, but I want to get back to the plan and the script uh, itself, and, you know, maybe so we can, I want to go section by section and really deconstruct this whole thing. So let us start at the very beginning, a very good place to start. I was about to say that you beat yeah. me to it. <laughs> now, obviously, <laughs> uh, this uh, this conversation ends uh, if I slam the door in your face, right? Right. So you come knocking on my door. You are like, hey, I'm Sadie from First Baptist Church of Cahokia, Illinois. <laughs> I did not and know that you knew where I grew up. I've heard you say it a few times. I It just popped into my head. But yeah, you're, you're like, I'm. was it First Baptist Church of yes, Cahokia, Illinois? Yeah, okay. You're like, I'm Sadie. I'm from First Baptist Church of Cahokia, Illinois. I want to ask you about your salvation status. I'd be like, close the door conversation's over yeah if you pull a gun the conversation is also over <laughs> i'm sure and i'm sure that it the, happens the, the, it, the it door does. slamming i'm sure happens all the time the gun probably less often um uh, yeah but but a lot of us have seen it at least once or twice in my right. case um you could also uh, people also get water thrown in their face uh rocks thrown at them Oh, that's not very nice General at all. fun stuff. Uh, curses put and hexes put on them. Uh, Using violence towards people uh, is is like it's not funny encouraged. now. <laughs> it's funny yeah. now, but it wasn't really funny at the time. But uh, yeah, like you said, though, um, once you get somebody talking with you, at least about God or religion, it's easier for them to get them to complete the script. So. Do we so we start with the first question that you ask, which is, do you go to church anywhere or do we start with the if you die today, you're going to go to heaven? So we want to start with do you go to church because it's actually an essential part of the script. And I can tell you why. Okay, so I assume that if somebody says they go to church somewhere, it's much easier for you to engage with them about God, especially if it's like a Protestant Christian church. So that's definitely part of it. Uh, That whole question is designed to set the soul winner up with a lot of information. If that person is an atheist... They're going to tell you right there at the top. Uh, as a as a soul winner, when you when you go through different training, if you're really trying to get good at it, you learn a lot about the theology of different mainline Christian religions, and also about non Christian religions. A lot of what they teach you can be misinformation, but they teach you, but but a lot of it is accurate about the theology. So if they say you go to a, if they say they go to a particular Christian church, or even if they say they belong to like a major non Christian religion, you know where you're starting from with this person. So from your experience, are there certain denominations that are easier to get? So like mainline Protestants easier than like Catholics? Because I assume that because Catholics have a totally different understanding of the way salvation works. So I assume they'd be more difficult. So it depends on what kind of Catholic because lapsed Catholics. um, So people who are like baptized and confirmed, but don't currently go to church or really interact with their faith on a daily basis. Um, especially Catholics who did not go to Catholic school or do CCD as a kid, uh, are, are actually pretty easy to get. I also want to say the whole get thing, it sounds awful after being out for so long. It just sounds super gross, but, um, yeah, but it's accurate, but I'm going to push through, um, non-denominational Christians are also pretty easy, believe it or not, because you can phrase the whole thing as like, this is one thing your church has never told you about. This is like a key to the Christian faith that your church has never told you about because they're afraid of offending you by talking about hell. They're so afraid of offending people that they could have just let you slip right through the cracks into a lake of fire. So 
like that's actually like a pretty good, a pretty easy sell for people who are non-denominational or people who consider themselves broadly Christian, but don't go to church. People who went to church as a kid, but fell out of it as an adult. Those are all like figurative, low hanging fruit. The question about do you go to church is also designed to be non-threatening. It's not as intense as coming right off with like a question about death and eternity. And it also gets, you know, it gets the conversation going. Like if you ask somebody immediately about heaven and hell, they're not going to engage. But if you ask somebody something about themselves, they're more likely to engage. And it also leads into the first psychological trick that soul winners get to use. Uh, I talked about this briefly in the Chick Tracts episode. There's a psychology thing where if you just hand somebody something, they will generally take it. There was a either a tweet or a Tumblr post going around the internet about doing this at parties, just like randomly handing people items to see how long it takes them to realize that they're holding a lamp or something. So you ask about church and then like as they're responding to you, they've already given you like a positive response. And you say, let me give you this invitation to my church. An invitation sounds nice and pleasant and you're already handing it to them. So they take it. And then even if they don't want to talk to you, the plan of salvation is on that tract in their hand and they might read it later and get saved. And of course, uh, the second psychological trick starts here too, because if you've ever been in sales, you may have heard the old salesman trick of trying to get your mark to say yes to you as much as possible. So you make statements that you know that they'll agree with and then you say right at the end of your sentences. So you're trying to prime them to get in the habit of saying yes to you. So when you ask for the sale aka asking them to pray, they're already in the habit of saying yes to you. This is done often throughout the script, but this is often the first place that it is employed. You'll say something like, yeah, going to church is really important, right? And you'll just start getting them in that habit of saying yes. What's interesting to me is that the IFB has no problem with saying flat out that this is a psychological trick. Like that's so weird to me because they don't believe in psychiatry. They don't believe in a lot of mental health science as we know it, but they have no problem using psychological tricks to get people to get saved. And they will even admit it out loud. So is there another response to this question other than the, than just the truth? Or do you just have to answer it? Oh, if somebody is trying to break the script and throw their soul winner off the game. Yes. Yeah, so you're trying to just throw them for a loop. Okay. So there are a couple options if you are actively trying to engage with this person and like slip them up or get them off of their script. If you say you're an atheist, you are definitely going to take up some of their time. You might get a really long-winded lecture on the existence of God. Uh, the soul winner might know their philosophy well enough to get to the point of, well, you can't prove a negative, so you can't prove that God doesn't exist. So if you say you're an atheist, they'll be just prepared for that. They'll be at least baseline prepared. Atheism can kind of shake some soul winners. Others are more confident and better trained. If you're brushed up on philosophy, like if you know like the basics of philosophy, if you took philosophy 101 in college, or if you watch a lot of lawyer TV you might be able to tie the soul winner up in a really long debate about the existence of God because they can't get any further down their script without first establishing that there is a God. So saying that you're an atheist, it will break the script. I don't suggest this as a first line of defense unless you have a lot of time and you are really willing to stick to those atheist guns. Like I've seen soul winners, myself included, go two hours, three hours with atheists who are down for a debate. And oh, 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 the other thing is this will always, always, always eventually deteriorate into an evolution versus creation debate, because one of the IFB's main points that they use for the existence of God is the watchmaker 
thing, which is a, a watch points to the existence of a watchmaker and creation points to the existence of a creator. So unless you really want to get into a creation evolution atheist debate uh, and you're willing to stick to it for like two hours, this might not be the best way to break the script, but it will do it. So this is an option if, if this is like a high difficulty yes. option. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So if if I assume if you so if you say you're Jewish, they'll tell you good news then you'll be excited to know that the messiah is here (laughs) why do you sound like everybody in book of mormon is that what they sound like i haven't seen it you need to if they say you're if you say you're jewish you're gonna have a pretty different experience depending on who is at your door so if it's a newbie they're probably just gonna like inform you that jesus is the messiah And if you don't immediately buckle and be like, oh, he is, then I want to get saved. I haven't heard about him before. (laughs) Never heard of this guy. Huh, man, really weird that we just missed him. Like that old guy from the chick track. Yes. (laughs) Unless you do that, uh, they're probably going to leave and come back with like a pastor or a really, really experienced soul winner. If it's the pastor who's already at your door, then he's probably going to like start with the list of messianic prophecies, like dozens of verses. This is an experience that I am well familiar with. I imagine well, I, I don't so. know. I, I was thinking like, you know, if they find out you're Jewish and they're just, and it's just like, you do not have enough badges to train me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It kind of is like that though. It's like a boss in a video game that you're just like not leveled up enough to, to play. No, you like, they are not, I don't know. They could send a pastor and the pastor's not going to be leveled up enough to take me down. Yeah, but they would think that they were, which would probably lead to being funny. Oh, that'd be hilarious, man. I get get like a, a, a door cam video, the whole thing. So embarrass if you, them on YouTube. Okay, yes. But if you do want to break the script at the what religion are you question, a pretty effective option would actually be to say that you're Buddhist. Because this is the religion that fundies tend to know the least about because it isn't focused on the Western ideas of heaven and hell. Buddhists don't have the goal-oriented religion that a lot of Western religion does. So if you say that you're Buddhist, you're probably going to get a lecture about how uh, the Buddha took underage girls for wives. But that's really about all that they have. Like They don't know enough about Buddhism to get into a long dialogue they're going to try to skip over this and get to the next part of their script, but you are definitely going to throw them completely off their game. So what happens if you're Muslim, though? Are they just going to say a bunch of really disrespectful things about Muhammad? Because uh, I yeah. feel that's not going to be a winning strategy. Muslims <laughs> are considered a special case, much like Jews are. So if you have a real expert at the door, they have some like quote expert. Yeah, they, they I'm an some... expert on the Muslims. <laughs> oh, yes, they have some tactics that they can use. But unless that person happens to be at your door, uh, the person who is at your door is going to leave and come back with either a book to try to convince you to read. Uh, like, you know, that 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 dumb purple book that they send to all the Jewish people. Like there's yes. one like that, but for Muslims and, and they might try to bring that book back and try to get you to read it. Uh, or they might. If they, if you happen to be in the Chicago area, there is a guy up there who used to teach for Hiles Anderson. I don't think he does anymore, but he is supposedly an expert on getting Muslims saved. So if you're in the Chicago area, that guy might show up at your door. If you're not, you're going to get one of the several books that are like that purple book, but for Muslims. So to sum up the first question, if you want to move to the next step, say that you're non-denominational or some other type of Christian or maybe Buddhist. 
if you really want to break the script and like go off in a crazy direction at this point, say you're atheist, but only do that if you have basic philosophy knowledge and a lot of time on your hands and a really good poker face. Because if you say you're atheist and then you show hesitation or weakness, you're going to get pulled back onto the script. So we've got a a couple good options to begin with. But so say that I say I'm Methodist or Presbyterian or Episcopalian, like mainline Protestant denomination, not Baptist. So the next question, question. you're going to go on to the next question, which is if you died today, are you 100% sure that you would go to heaven or do you have some doubt? I want you to notice another psychological trick here, which you may have picked up on. Do you have some doubt is at the end of the sentence. It's a setup. They're setting it up to make the easy answer anything other than I'm 100% sure. Also, the use of the specific 100% figure is used in the same way, because a lot of people might be 90% sure or even 99% sure that they're going to heaven, but people think it sounds arrogant to say they're 100% for sure. The way that question is set up, it's to make you think that I have some doubt is the correct answer. It's like a reasonable doubt in a criminal trial. Yeah, this is just another trap, because the way the question is phrased, it's meant to make it almost impossible to say you're 100% sure. Because if you do say you're 100% sure, the next response from the soul winner is going to be, well, that's great. How do you know that? And they're going to put you on your toes to explain it the right way. And if you miss anything at all, they're going to correct you and steer right back onto their script. So what if your denomination is like Calvinist and you believe in predestination? Calvinists believe in predestination, but that's still like if you're predestined to be saved, you still have to get saved. It's not going to be an effective way to break the script unless you know more about Calvinism than the IFB do about Arminianism. By the way, I found out a thing about Arminianism versus Armenia, the place that like the place, the country. Yes. Arminianism is spelled differently. Huh? I said in the Caucasus Mountains. Yes. Next to Azerbaijan. So it's spelled differently because it was the theology of a guy named Jacobus Arminius. Like Calvinism was the theology of a guy named John Calvin. So nothing to do with Armenia, the place. It's anyway, spelled differently. Again, I know I messed that up on a previous episode, and I wanted to clarify that. Anyway, this is going to get you overpowered and hustled right back onto the script unless you really know Calvinism inside and out, because the IFB are taught about both philosophies, even though they're sometimes given misinformation about Calvinism. So that's not going to work because trying to convince people of different facts just never works because they're going to believe what they want to believe. Okay, so what's the move here? So really, you can say that you you can say, well, I'm 100% sure because and then like insert religion or denomination tells you so. But that's really a minefield. This is going to be nearly impossible unless you really, really know the ins and outs of whatever religion you pick. I think there's an easier way to break the script at the do you know for sure question. And what's that? So actually, I thought of two ways. And I'll tell you what they are right after we take up the offering. Okay, that sounds great. Let's go do that right now. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 
36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is sponsored by Podcorn, an ad marketplace where podcasts of all sizes can find advertisers. I am so excited to start running ads on our podcast because running ads allows us to give this show the focus that it needs. And the money it needs. hey hey We work really hard to bring you hours of content every week. And I am really excited to take this step towards making this my day job. I've really enjoyed working with Podcorn. First, because of the layout, the site is just easy to use and the help sections are phrased simply enough that I, who am slightly technologically challenged, can read and understand them even when I'm sleep deprived. I also like that we get to choose who we will advertise for on our show. That one's just huge for us. That is something that I was really passionate about when we first started talking about monetization. I did not want to advertise for a company or for a product that I do not believe in. I so agree with that. I would not have been comfortable running ads if I didn't feel like we had control over what companies will sponsor our show and if we didn't have creative control over how we advertise as well. With Podcorn, there is no middleman. So we can negotiate directly with the sponsors on the platform and we can set our own rates. I also like that we get to keep the rights to our own work. So you all know that Sadie and I are incredibly passionate about our show and we would not ever be willing to give up any of the rights to that. So if you're a podcast creator as well, I completely suggest that you check out Podcorn when you're ready to monetize. Their mission is to give podcasters transparency, creative freedom, and full control over when and how they monetize. You can click the link in our show notes or go to podcorn.com. That is P-O-D-C-O-R-N.com to explore amazing sponsorship opportunities today. Hey, Gavrielle here. If you enjoy the Leaving Eden podcast, head over to our Facebook group, Eden Exodus, where you can talk to other fans, ask us questions, and share memes. That's facebook.com slash Eden Exodus. You can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash Leaving Eden podcast, and you'll get access to extended and uncensored episodes. You can also support our show by recommending it to your family and your friends. The Leaving Eden podcast is a fully independent podcast, and we really appreciate your support. And now, back to the show. We are back, and Sadie was just about to tell us how to break the script of a door-to-door soul winner, soul wiener. That's what we're going to call them, soul wieners. That's what you're (laughs) going to call it. That's what I'm going to call them, a door-to-door soul wiener. So I was going to tell you two ways to break the script after the question, do you know 100% for sure if you died today, you would go to heaven or do you have some doubt? 
So the first way, if you just want this person to go away as quickly as possible, um, if you just want to be done with this situation, the first thing you could do uh-huh. is memorize the IFB plan of salvation and then quote it back to them. <laughs> you would really have to use some of their keywords because they have to believe that you were really witness to the right way. So you could say something like, Someone told me from the Bible that I was a sinner, but that Jesus died to save me, and I accepted him into my heart and asked him to take me to heaven. That's pretty simple. Yeah, and if you get this right, they would probably want to know when you were saved. You would not need to have the exact date, but you would need to at least have a year on hand to give them. So you'd want to tell them, oh, it was in 2011 when I was 18 years old. They are definitely going to put some heat on you to come to church, and they are probably going to throw some Bible verses out about coming to church. But they are definitely not going to get to count you as a salvation. They might send some people to your house to try to get you to come to church. Oh, that's annoying. But to be honest, that's a risk with literally any of these options. Yeah, so that's super annoying. And I don't want that to happen. So I'm not going to take that choice. Yeah, but that could literally happen with any strategy listed in this episode. If they have your address and you talk to them even once, this strategy just increases the risk slightly. I mean, there is nothing to stop anybody from coming to your house and knocking on your door for any reason anyway. So that's already a risk no matter what. That's my point. Yeah. Um, if you're more in the mood to break their brain and you have some time on your hands, you can also say that you believe it's impossible to know for sure. Yeah. I, see, this is what I would say. So uh, I can, can I guess the response to this? Yeah, go for it. So my guess is that the response would be that they would say, I know because the Bible tells me Romans 10, 9 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, the Lord Jesus and believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And Romans ten thirteen says, for whomever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, which is a quote that I stole from your soul winning script earlier. Yes, that is about how it would go. If your soul winner is really well prepared, um, there's also a verse in 1 John 5, 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. Of course. But if it were me, uh, I would say, but that's fake news because the book of Romans is fan fiction. Uh, But this isn't me. This is just some regular Christian. (laughs) Yeah, Um, there is an Old Testament plan of salvation. I never went to the trouble to memorize it, Uh, but Mm. it's possible they might try to pull that out on you. I am not familiar with this one because that's not a thing for us. Yeah, that's not a. Well, that's just because you you don't know the forty nine thousand three hundred and eighty two verses about Jesus being the Messiah. Duh. So you can also really dig your heels in on you can't know for sure, but they have a lot of Bible verses that seem to point to being able to know for sure. So if, if you choose this route, what it's going to lead to is an argument argument about whether the Bible is true. So if you go that way, you're going to have to be willing to straight up say that you don't believe the Bible or don't believe it literally. Uh, and then they might try to prove to you that the Bible is true. So I guess that could be entertaining. Yeah, But now that I'm dissecting this, it seems to me like a lot of these things depend on the soul winner being more stubborn and more prepared than the person being witnessed to. And then the person being witnessed to eventually just gets worn down to the point that they go along with the whole thing. Okay, so that only sort of works, though, is that if you say that you doubt the whole Bible is true. Yeah. 
So if so, that's kind of the the how you get through like the do you go to church question and the do you know for sure question. So they're going to take you through those like they're going to try as hard as they can to hustle you through those two questions. Yeah, because they are. So the, the soul winner's whole goal is always to stay on their script and get you back to the script if you deviate from it. Literally, Just get to that point where like they can telemarketer. The Bible. Yes. So the next so the next thing though if you get through those first two questions and the bible gets opened the next thing that you're going to need to do to break the script is to insist that you're not a sinner. Um this is actually not uncommon because a lot of people like to think of themselves as good or moral people. So the soul winner is going to have to identify a behavior, a specific behavior that you will admit to doing and then they're going to need to prove from the bible that it is a sin. The easiest way to do that is lying because literally everyone has lied before. And there are Bible verses that are really accessible to say like, oh, look, see, here's there's a sin that you've done. Couldn't you just lie to them and tell them that you've never told a lie? You definitely could, but this could get you stuck on them trying to guess other sins of yours. Oh, like what? Oh, so you've never lied. Uh, have you ever stolen anything? Ever disobeyed nope. your parents? Nope. I've never needed to steal anything because I'm rich and I've never disobeyed my parents because they died and left me all of this money like Batman. Okay. Have you ever driven over the speed limit? Because Batman breaks the speed limit all the time. I don't drive on account of the environment. Well, have you ever had a bad thought? Have you ever coveted something that someone else had? No. If I want something someone else has, I can just buy it. So you actually just gave an excellent example because if you're going to go this route, once again, you're going to have to stick to your guns as the witnessy. If you admit to even one thing that they can identify as a sin, you're sunk because they can say that even one sin is enough to send you straight to hell. So you're going to have to be really stubborn for this one because they always have those verses about there is none righteous to fall back on. If you just straight up refuse to admit you're a sinner, though, they there is kind of no place for them to go until they can get you to admit that. So if you really want to mess with an IFB soul, see, this is the route that I would probably take. I would say, I have never done anything wrong ever in my whole entire life. And I think that's a valid option. Yeah. If your soul winner knows their stuff, they're going to have to leave you alone. But there's going to be a while first of like trying really hard and also possibly asking some awkward and inappropriate questions to try to get you to admit that you've done one sin, like even one that you weren't aware of. Like what? Well, have you ever committed adultery? Of course not. Well, Jesus said that if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, then you've committed adultery with her in your heart and in your mind. Have you ever had a lustful thought? No, I'm blind. Another reason why I don't drive. I navigate using echolocation like Batman. Once again, I'm basically Batman. If you take this... <laughs> okay, I'm getting Batman saved here. If, yeah. you, if you take this far enough down the road... Actually, Batman's kind of a dick. Eh... Depends on which Batman. He has like tons of money and then all he does is beat people up. That's true. Yeah. If you take this far enough down the road, the soul winner is going to leave. Uh, this option does have bonus points available in two categories. Number one, you might see the soul winner and their soul winning partner standing at the end of your driveway praying for you. Or you might also get to see them tap the edge of your shoes at the end of their pro at the end of your property because there's a verse where Jesus says that if people don't accept the gospel, you're supposed to shake the dust off of your feet when you leave their town and they will be cursed. Well, that's some bottom tier behavior because they've actually gone so far as to curse a blind orphan. 100% mask off here. Absolutely shameful. Absolutely unbelievable. 
Well, they didn't curse you. God did. And also, they're pretty unlikely to knock on the door of your big mansion that you have if you're Batman to try to get you saved. They like to go to the poor neighborhoods where people are more likely to listen and like also be interested in the mansion in heaven bit. Once again, I live in Portland. Um, I'm a millionaire, but I don't live in a mansion because that would be too opulent. Of course, if they find out I'm rich, they're going to keep sending people because they want that back tithe. So you're not Batman. You're more like a cross between Batman and that guy who figured out the good place and lived his entire life like trying not to step on bugs and snails so that he, he could earn enough points. Oh, you mean Doug Forsett? Yeah. Yes. No, I'm not that guy because that guy's a wiener. Um, I'm like Batman because instead, but instead of using all of his money to buy stupid technology and beat people up, I'm using all of my money to live in a modest house and help people. And also I'm blind. So I'm like a mega Mary Sue that's living a sinless existence. Uh, and yeah. Yeah. And I'm tapping my shoes on the edge of your lawn because you're not listening to me. How do you know that I am not Jesus Christ returned? Like I am, I am a humble man who has never committed any sins and, Jesus was sinless and they all said that Jesus is coming back. Like, okay, because here's when a question. Jesus if- comes, because, duh, when Jesus comes back, he's going to come back hovering in the air over the Mount of Olives and the Mount of Olives is going to split in two, I think from east to west, but it could also be from north to south. Pretty sure it's from east to west when his feet touches on top of the Mount of Olives and then that's going to usher in the millennial period. Couldn't you, like, if they come to you and knock on your door and they're like, do you go to church? You could just say, I am Jesus Christ reborn. Worship at my feet. No, because Jesus isn't going to be reborn. I just told you he's going to come back and touch down on the Mount of Olives and the Mount of Olives is going to split in two. Oh, so that'd be pretty obvious if Jesus came back. Well, couldn't you just say that you did it at night? Well, and where is like, why? Where is it split, though? Uh, you fixed it. Jesus. No, it's not. That's not how it works. In the book of Revelation, it clearly says that the Mount of Olives is going to split in two, like way in two, like with many feet or or more between the two pieces of it. It's going to like split and move. And then also the millennium is going to happen and everything's going to be perfect. So those are two real good reasons that you're not Jesus reborn. Okay. Fine. Don't argue with me on the book of Revelation, (sighs) bud. That's right. I've never read it. I heard there's dragons, though. Yeah, there's uh, there's dragons. There's like ten-headed goats and uh, goats with ten heads and seven horns and all kind of shit in there. Yeah. You should check it out. You like Harry Potter. You like, like, creepy stuff. <laughs> what? You're like, oh, you like the Book of Revelations. You like Harry Potter. It's kind of the same thing. Both are fantasy stories. <laughs> I mean, you should. uh, Well, actually, they're both probably allegories. It's just one of them is an allegory for racism and and we can see past it. And the other one's an allegory for probably historical events that happened in the first century after Christ. But people also assign a lot of a a lot of meaning to that. Anyway, um, oh, I'm going to get into uh, I don't know how to say I don't know if it's preterism or preterism because I've only read the word and I've never heard it pronounced. But there's this whole theory about the book of Revelation actually being code for things that were happening in the time of John of Patmos. I'm going to get into it at some point. Huh. So after you get through the point of like admitting you're a sinner, there are definitely options to break the script. But I think that I've they, they get kind of boring at this point because you can refuse to accept that you're a sinner. Or you can say that you don't believe Jesus was real and make them try to prove that Jesus existed. Or you can say that that you believe that Jesus did exist, but he wasn't the son of God and make them try to prove that. 
Or you can say that Jesus died, but he didn't resurrect and make them try to prove that. Like any of these will work, but it's all the same method. It's just like refusing to accept like one point of this and then making them prove it. Yeah. See, that sounds like something that I would do. So those are all options, but I feel like the better options for breaking the script are kind of in the beginning. Okay. What I think is a lot funnier, if you are going to go all the way to the end, I think if you're trying to clown on people, what would be funnier is get to the end and like wait for them to ask you, if Jesus would take you right now, would you accept him or wouldn't you like to receive the free gift? And then just say like, no, thanks. <laughs> this this rarely happens because most people, I think if they get this far, they either think, hey, free salvation insurance. I'll pray this prayer in case these people are right whatever or they think like i need to pray this prayer to get it over with or maybe they've been like at least somewhat convinced by something that was said and they actually do want to pray the prayer but whatever the case people rarely get to this point and don't pray the prayer so it's definitely going to be disconcerting along these lines could you ask them well what's heaven like i want to be sure that i'd actually want to go there there's a really easy redirect for this i think i showed this to you earlier yeah i showed you this like oh i want to answer your questions but not right now redirect right Um, you'd say something like well heaven is a wonderful place where you will get your own mansion i can show you lots of verses that talk about it but first i want to ask you wouldn't you like to receive god's free gift of eternal life like any question that you ask is always going to get a like a one sentence answer and then try to redirect back onto the script no, see, what I would do, I would push back on that one. I would say, look, if I'm going to go somewhere literally forever, for eternity, I want to be sure that it would be lit. Well, if your only hop- options are heaven or hell, I think you'd probably rather go to heaven. Does heaven have an open bar or do they give you drink tickets? Well, in hell, there's nothing to drink at all. In the Bible, lost souls in hell spend eternity begging for one drop of water. So I'm sure whatever they have in heaven is better than that. Okay, but who said anything about water? I don't care about water. I'm asking about heaven, not hell. Yeah, I know. Like, see, the thing is, like, I want to ask him because I know IFBs don't drink, right? Right. So there wouldn't be any alcohol in heaven, right? Right. But if there's no alcohol in heaven, would this guy really want to go there? Yeah, IFB heaven, I think they would have to have no alcohol. Pseudo be- move. <laughs> I guess IFB heaven has no alcohol. Because alcohol is supposed to be a picture of sin. But the thing is that that yeast or leaven in bread is also supposed to be a picture of sin. So it's weird to me that the IFB heaven would have alcohol and not have only flatbreads. That just that just kind of occurred to me. Huh. If you ask a question like that, though, you're really going to end up in a loop. Because, I mean, this could be fun, I guess, especially for someone like you. You might find yourself in a conversation about whether there will be alcohol in heaven and then they're going to have to try to prove that alcohol is a sin. And then you can pull up the verse where they, where Jesus turned water into wine. And then you're going to be deep in the weeds of the Greek translation of that scripture, which is going to just be a mess on both sides. Unless that person is like a Hiles Anderson preacher boy who took Greek. Okay. But see, I could mix it up, right? I could say in heaven is the bartender hot. Yeah. But you can't do that. If you tried earlier to say that you've never sinned because then they have you dead to rights on lustful thoughts. Okay, but this is a different scenario, because in this scenario, I'm obviously a sinner, but I'm trying to decide if heaven is right for me. Oh, right. Well, this is probably going to go the direction of the verse in Revelation about the lake of fire and brimstone. Uh, they're probably just going to make try to make hell sound really bad and to be like, well, I don't know about heaven, but it's got to be better than that. This also depends on who is trying to witness to you. 
Because remember, they only take a New Testament out soul winning instead of a whole Bible because it's easier to hide. They will like hide it up their sleeve or put it in their pocket. So you don't know when you answer the door that it's people from a church. So they don't have access to all the verses. I can rattle off plenty of verses from the New Testament about most topics, but I was trained on how to be a good soul winner for literal years. And I also, um, one of my stronger suits, mental acuity wise, is being able to memorize words in order. So like recall of of words and literature. So I could memorize chapters and chapters of scripture because it's just one of the things that my brain is good at. Um, not every soul winner has access to all those verses off the top of their heads. But you could always say, like, I would rather be burned for all eternity in a lake of fire and brimstone than to not be able to hit on hot bartenders, which is admittedly a low key skeezy vibe, but it would definitely throw them off. Yeah, if you go that far, I guess it counts as breaking the script because the soul winner is going to eventually just leave. And I'm not judging. And I know, like, I know this could probably be really satisfying. But that option is not going to make them question their faith, and it's not going to do the person who's in a cult any good. So far be it from me, if this person is obnoxious and they deserve to feel badly, far be it from me to tell you not to do that. But I did just get a little sad thinking of like all the people who did stuff like that to me as a kid, because I just like felt awkward and it was really difficult for a teen with an anxiety disorder. Yeah, so this is only an option if you're feeling especially irreverent like what was the thing like if somebody something that somebody said to you when you were out doing this that just threw you personally for the biggest loop and was the most confusing and you're like what thing that i that you ever heard what was that i think it was when people would ask me questions like is the bartender in heaven hot like that bugged me because that was like so far Outside my experience, I didn't, because if you asked me a question that there was a biblical answer for, I could give it to you because I knew the ins and outs of all of these scripture verses really well. So if you threw me that far off of script, that would really get to me. And then people also, people asking me like, how are you for sure that you're worshiping the right God? That kind of thing kind of really got to me. Huh? Like, how can you prove that your God is more worthy to be called God than somebody else's God? Because I had verses for the existence of God, but I didn't have a lot of proof for like, my God is better than your God. And I, I think overall, I want to suggest that if you're going to try to break the script, just as a favor to me, maybe just try to focus on adults who should know better. If you get a minor at your door trying to tell you about Jesus, like maybe it's better to gently ask them questions that will help them reconsider things. And I'm sorry to be a bummer because I know this whole episode supposed to be kind of uh, sardonic. But I just got to thinking while we were writing, when I was writing notes for this episode, I got to thinking about all the people who just thought it was okay to just treat me like shit when I was a young teenager and like how upsetting that was for me. Like if it's a literal child at your door, maybe try not to be too mean because it, it is not their fault that they're in a cult. I'm sorry to be a bummer. It's just like this episode kind of parts of this kind of upset me because I was realizing that sometimes people were really rude to me when they didn't need to be when I was an actual child. Now, if it's some like adult dude or adult person being all arrogant and lording it over you and trying to just strong arm you into Jesus, I fully support pissing that guy off. That makes perfect sense, though. But I did want to put in a word for all yeah. those like poor IFB teens who are out there and don't know any better. Yeah. 
So what's the so what's the next step in this process? So say we agree, okay, I want to go to heaven. So if you agree and say you want to go into heaven, want to go to heaven, they're going to go straight into a tactic that I used continually throughout that script that I don't know if you noticed. Was it the repeat after me? Mm-mm. So one thing I did continually throughout that script was I did not take a breath between my point and my next point. So I would vote verbally slow down during the middle of the sentence to give you time to talk about it. But when I got to the end of the sentence where you might potentially have a time to put in your own opinion, I made sure that I didn't pause very long between that sentence and the end of the next sentence. So I would go right into the next topic. So Hmm. you don't get like that pause because people think they're going to have a chance to like ask questions or disagree between paragraphs. If you agree and say you want to go to heaven, though, they're going to go straight into the prayer using that tactic. They are not going to ask you if you want to pray with them. They are just going to say, repeat after me. And that's why they call this the one, two, three, repeat after me method. If you've gotten this far, there's really no getting out. Mm. Um, If you pray with them, they're going to try to get as much info as possible about you, like your name, your number, your email, your address, where you work, so they can follow up with you and then keep trying to get you to come to church and be baptized. If you pray with them, you're going to be in for like a year of this minimum. If if the church is actually following up on, on salvations like they're supposed to, but they might actually not do that. Okay, so then um, how do I avoid praying the prayer with them? Like, how how do I make them question their whole existence and send them into crisis? If you haven't managed to break the script before you get to the part of praying the prayer, you're, you've kind of put yourself between a rock and a hard place because you pretty much either have to say the prayer or say no thank you and like deal with the super awkward moment of saying no, I don't want to pray. All this stuff that's really going to cause them to question their faith is before this. A really good soul winner will ask something like, so if they really have been trained and they know what they're doing, they might say something like, well, if you're not going to accept Jesus today, is it okay if I pray for you before I leave? And then they will pray out loud for Jesus to convict you of your sin and make you want to accept him Uh, Jack Kyles was known for praying out loud on your porch and praying that some tragedy would befall you that would make you run to God. Like he would do that to like scare people badly enough to make them suddenly change their mind and want to get saved. Wait, what the fuck? Oh yeah. That was a Jack Kyles special right there. How is it Christian to ask for tragedy to befall somebody? Because the person praying believes that it will be for that person's good because it will lead them to God. Um, I think you have this concept of like a God who hurts people for their own good. I think I've talked on the podcast before about uh, I had a friend who was in retrospect, not doing anything all that bad, but they were perceived as a, re- as a rebellious person and perceived as somebody who was doing a lot of sins. And I thought that God was going to kill me to teach my friend a lesson and lead them back to God. And like being up in the middle of the night, praying that I wouldn't die like praying that God would my friend before God had to kill me to teach them a lesson or praying that if God was going to kill me to teach my friend a lesson that he would choose a way that would be painless for me. So praying for something bad, but non-fatal or even something fatal to happen to someone that will make them get saved. It's really common. What? This is a, this is a concept. They have a concept of a God who will hurt people to bring about good in their life. 
It is terrifying. I was terrified every time I was in a car during the years that I was going through that with like my friend who was kind of considered a rebel because I was lit. I literally thought, especially when I was in a car with that person, I literally thought that God was going to kill me in a car wreck and I was going to die in horrible pain in front of that person so that so that they would change their wicked ways. I mean, remember, okay, so back to the chick track tracked episode remember jello ashley and how she like had a heart attack and then got saved before she died oh yeah no where she did a ton of drugs and then she had a heart attack and accepted jesus in the hospital moments before her untimely demise yes that so i've only done this thing like where you pray on somebody's porch like i've only done this maybe like once or twice but this is a thing that really hardcore soul winners might do um, if you've been a jerk to them or if they think you've been a jerk to them, they might get on your porch and like pray for God to bring you to them. And if they are like super hardcore, they might pray for God to like hurt you or kill somebody you love to make you want to get saved. Okay. So I've got one last shot. I've So, so I've decided that I want to go to heaven and the door-to-door soul winner has told me to pray this prayer. And okay, so here's my move. Okay. Okay. So this is this is one last idea. So I say to them, so if I pray this prayer to, uh, with you, I go to heaven. And they will say, well, yes, if you say this and you really mean it in your heart, then you will go to heaven. So I could say maybe these, so I could say these words and meet it in my heart. And then tomorrow I can go out and rob a liquor store and then I'll still get into heaven. Or I could kill somebody and I'd still get into heaven. Well, yes. Hopefully you don't decide to do these things and people who love Jesus tend to not want to do those kind of things, but nothing can take away your salvation once you have it. But you've been saved and you also love Jesus. So can you honestly tell me that you've never had, that you have zero desire to commit any sin? And keep in mind here that lying is also a sin. Well, of course not. I'm still a sinner, even though I'm a saved sinner. But if you were truly saved, then you would no longer feel the desire to commit sins. And that's what you're telling me. No, a saved person simply desires not to sin and they will feel they will feel their conscience conscience tell them that they are wrong when they do sin. But no one is truly sinless except for Jesus. Yeah, but is the is wanting to not sin and not wanting to sin the same thing? Yes. Or are they different? No, those are the See, same. What th- you just told me is that those two things are different, but you told me that you want to not sin, but that you also told me that you wanted to sin. See, that's the Hold thing. Hold on, no, I have this, a, this all seems uh, rather I have, a, I have a Bible verse for this. Hold on. It's Romans seven twelve. Wherefore the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good. Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin that it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do I allow not, for what I would that I do not, but what I hate that do I. If I if then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then it is no more that I, I that do it that sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would do, for the good that I would I do not, but the evil which I would not that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it that sin that dwelleth in me. I understood none of that. <laughs> There's a lot of would, uh, did, did not. It's like a freaking not. tongue twister. Oh, what would, uh, how much would, would a woodchuck chuck if woodchuck could chuck wood? It's like, the Pauline tongue twister. 
that's i mean that's that is that is the king that is the king i got through it pretty good i only messed up like twice that is a romans chapter seven i think i read verses uh 12 through 20 that is the the paul's explanation it's basically now that i'm now that i'm a christian i desire to do good but i still have the sin nature in me because so i have the desire to do good and the desire not to do bad but because i'm still a sinner sometimes i fail to do good and i still do bad so wait 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 so you're saying you want to not be a sinner even if sometimes you want to commit sins well it's not you that wants to commit sins it's the sin nature that's in you now if i do that i would not it is no more i that do it but sin that dwelleth in me so like brokeback mountain i don't know that's a movie (laughs) yes i know it's a gay cowboy movie but i know nothing about that no it's the movie where they're just like where where these two cowboys they're gay and then they like have sex with each other and then they're like i'm not gay oh yeah, like that's pretty much exactly it. Exactly like that. Okay, yeah, that's sure. It's the Brokeback Mountain sin defense. <laughs> sure, I'll give that to you. <laughs> oh my God. Mm. But I mean, the thing is, like, if we depended on our own goodness to get into heaven, no one would get to heaven because everyone is sinned. Like murder or robbing a liquor store, those are just one individual sin, but all sins are equal before God and everyone has sinned. So we are all equal before God, which is also a Pauline principle. So this seems rather arbitrary because it doesn't seem to me right that somebody who was saved could commit murder and go to heaven while somebody who was unsaved could be good to people all their life and still end up in hell. So this is something that someone was talking about actually on our Facebook group, which is it's a circular reasoning kind of thing. What they will tell you is, well, if you were really saved, then you wouldn't you wouldn't murder. So but once you're saved, it's impossible to lose your salvation. So if you say that you're saved and then you murder somebody or allegedly murder somebody, <coughs> Dave Hiles, um, mm. then you can bleep that if you want to. Um, I'm not going to bleep that. Huh? He did that. Yeah, allegedly. I think he, I, uh, he allegedly did. I believe that he did. That's not alleged. I definitely believe that. He Probably, did. There's like a 99% chance that he did that. Yeah. Or he covered up he for pled, whoever did. He pled the Fifth Amendment on it. That means... He either did it or he covered up for whoever did. Yeah, so it's it's the circular logic of like, well, save people don't desire to sin and save people want to try to at least try to do better. So save people wouldn't want to murder somebody. Well, if you do murder somebody, you probably were never saved to begin with. So mm. they'll throw it back like, oh, well, you never got sincerely saved to, be- to begin with if you do something really bad. So here's the other question then. Today you murder somebody and I drink alcohol three times. I do three shots or something. That means that I am three times the sinner that you are. Is that correct? No, because it's an on off switch. It's you're a sinner or you're not a sinner. Uh, oh, so one sin. Very binary. Yes. Oh, they're all about their binaries. Oh, yeah. We know they're all about their binaries. Are they? Yeah. One sin makes you a sinner. And that keeps you out of heaven. So it doesn't matter if you've done one sins or 1,000 sins or 1 million sins. Because it's because remember the white carpet in the Chick Tract episode? Right. One stain. It doesn't matter if it's stained the size of a quarter or if half the carpet's covered in stains. It's still stained. 
Well, so, okay, so then my next take would be that the Bible also says that we must pursue justice, and it is truly unjust that the sin of calling in sick to work because you want to go to the movies is equal to the sin of murder. Well, that's your view of justice. God says that all sins and sinners are equal. Then I, to that, I would respond that I won't be praying the prayer today, but that you can think about what we've just talked about on the way home and whether it makes any sense to you. They really do have an answer for most anything. Yeah. But unfortunately, this isn't like, this isn't WWE, okay? There isn't a closer move that's just going to magically deconstruct years or decades of cult teaching. These soul winners are trained, like almost like someone in the military is trained, but that doesn't make them robots. It's, it's really fun to think of frustrating the hell out of people who bother you at your front door on a Saturday. And a lot of them do really deserve it. And But you can absolutely chip away at their worldview by doing the things that we've talked about today. But if you're actually trying to, to get somebody's worldview to crumble, I've never heard of that happening in a one-time soul winning encounter because these people are so inoculated against unbelief and non-believers. I think the best way... So if you're just trying to like mess up the script and annoy somebody or tie up their time, these tactics will totally work. But if you're trying to break somebody out, like the best way to get somebody to really question is to be kind and ask questions and try to get them off the script. Any of these ways that we've mentioned or any other ways that you can think of and make it a real conversation, not them trying to steamroll you into a prayer. Uh, One thing that can actually work that's a little more boring but more effective is slowing down your speech. That can be one real way to get through to a soul winner. They are taught, like I demonstrated, to go very quickly from one point to another without leaving you a breath to interrupt. So getting them to slow down can actually make a difference. If you're trying to break somebody out, you can go beyond the script and ask them a lot of why questions. You can ask why if this method of conversion is so legitimate. Why doesn't it produce converts who come to church and then turn away from sin? You could ask, like we talked about, about repentance and why that isn't in their script if it isn't. You could also just share something that we've talked about on the show before. The idea that this isn't actually soul winning is not actually meant to produce converts, but it's meant to strengthen group bonds within a cult. You could talk about that the, the concept we've talked about, about um, how people go out in the world and get rejected and have hard days and they come back to the group and it's a form of trauma bonding. Yeah. See, that's the thing is that I'm not going for a knockout. I'm going for a slow burn. Something right. that, you know, might stick in their head for a while, cause some doubt. So I remember you telling me that when you were younger, maybe you had a difficult time wondering, were you were you wondering whether you could truly be saved because you have, did you have a desire to sin or something like that? What was it that you were wondering about? Or you were wondering See, whether heard, the conversion... I've heard other people say that they wondered if they were saved because they couldn't seem to stop sinning or because they had a desire to sin. Uh, What I remember saying about myself is I was concerned that I wasn't saved because I thought maybe I hadn't been sincere enough when I prayed the prayer the first time. But I guess that isn't an option to make somebody doubt unless you know their full story, which is going to be difficult. And I guess, well, I guess if they're like an evangelist, because, you know, I, I told you I went to the gym that one time. And they're trying to sell me on like personal training or something. And they'll have the trainer like tell you their whole fitness story. So if you get them talking about their whole salvation story, 
uh, then they might give you some history and then you might be able to poke some holes into that if you ask them about them personally. Oh, yeah, that that actually could really work because they will definitely tell you their story if you ask. So, I mean, then that might give you something that you can use and you might be able to give them some real perspective on it get them to actually think about the things that they've been through and whether or not they actually believe it. That's actually a a pretty decent tactic. But the people, the thing is that the people who are door to door soul winning, they almost certainly believe in what they're saying. I mean, unless they're one of the percentage who is already on their way out and just haven't come out about it yet. I guess I don't have a problem if people want to mess with soul winners a little bit, especially like I said, if they're being mean or aggressive with you. But it might be more valuable to try to say something that will make them think and plant a seed of reason. And now I am completely unsure if I've actually mentioned this story on the podcast before. Uh, I think the story comes from Megan Phelps Roper, who is a former member of Westboro Baptist Church. There's a slight chance that it's from somebody else's book because I wasn't able to find like a video or a, a quote of, of Megan Phelps Roper saying this. But whoever the person was who told the story, and I think it's Megan Phelps Roper. Tells This person tells a really poignant story about being a small child, and she was present when the adults in her church were doing one of their famous like street preaching events, like with the inflammatory signs and everything. Oh, yeah. God hates. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So during this event, a woman walked up to her and knelt down to speak to her, and she said something along the lines of, one day you will be grown up, and you will be able to choose to walk away from this if you want to. And that's what I always wish that someone had said to me when I was just a kid, because I heard all of these other things, most of the things that you brought up today, and none of them turned me away. But what I remember, what I, the good memories that I have, I remember people who were kind to me when I was out there and people who brought me water. I'm not saying that anybody out there should feel obligated to bend over backwards for some IFB soul winner who's harassing you at your house. But I do think it might be a good thing to consider if they're just a kid, if there's still a chance of this person growing up and getting out, that might be that might be worth considering. Yeah, Yeah, this episode has been way more triggering than I thought it would be. I'm going to like I'm going to have a drink, a nap and some trash TV. Yeah. And as disappointed as I am to find out that there's no silver bullet to complete the smackdown on the door to door evangelist. I still found out uh, this conversation, like I still found it supremely intriguing and interesting and enlightening. I think if it were me, I would tell them that I'm Jewish, uh, that Jesus is not the Messiah and that their Bible translations are wrong. And to our listeners, I mean, I, I feel like we gave you guys a lot of options to choose from. And so if you ever end up seeing these people, then you will know exactly what to do. Uh, we were thinking of making a flow chart at some point in the future, putting that on our merch shop. Uh, so you can hang that by your door and in case I still totally somebody... want to do that. Yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah. So pick one that speaks to you. Just follow your heart, I think, is 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 what we say. Um, also, be sure to tune in Thursday because Thursday we are going to talk in depth about the IFB dating manual, dating with a purpose written by pedophile Jack Scop. So if you listen like all of our episodes all the way from the beginning, um, I think we talked about this book in the third or the fourth ever episode of the show. But it's I mean, it's so fun to ridicule. We didn't really go into detail about it. So now we're really going to go in and dissect it and pull it apart and just clown all of the ridiculous stuff in there. It's going to be a ton of fun. And uh, then next Monday, what are we talking about? We're talking about something called the trail of blood 
uh, which sounds gruesome, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> uh, not actually too gruesome. Uh, Trail of oh. Blood is a short pamphlet that details the supposed history of the Baptist faith all the way back to Jesus. Interesting. Oh, that's fascinating. So we will be talking about some some serious stuff coming up. And then after that, we've got all of our LGBT content coming out because then it's going to be June and we're excited to do that as well. So it once again, if you are a queer person who was raised in the IFB or a similar group uh, and you want us to tell your story on the podcast, please email us your story at leavingedenpod at gmail.com. Uh, please include your name, your pronouns, and whether or not we're actually allowed to use your name. If uh, you want us to call you something else, then please tell us yeah, and we will totally call you that. Fine. And I wanted to to make sure that we let you know, um, I know some of our listeners are probably really immersed in uh, awesome queer art and content, and, and this is not a, a thing. Um, others of our listeners, this may be something a little bit new, uh, that they a type of media that they haven't really consumed before. That's also fine. We have a mix of that on this show with our hosts, where Sadie is very much immersed in that thing, and I am not at all. So we're going to talk about it. And we're bringing you a lot of variety in June. We're going to have some um, media reviews we're watching. Uh, We're going to do a movie and some music uh, reviewed for homework. We're also going to... We're going to have some personal interviews that we are so excited about. People who are very interesting. People who you'll want to hear the interviews with them oh, yeah. because they're going to be dynamite. Um, dynamite, did you say? Okay. Um, that was unintentional. <laughs> we're also going to have listener stories. We're also going to talk about the IFB's views on some of these things. So there's going to be a good variety of content. I'm, we're oh, excited. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're really trying to do uh, a, a good job with all of that. As always, you can uh, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, uh, at Leaving Eden Podcast. On Twitter, it is at Leaving Eden Pod. You can join our Facebook group, which is called Eden Exodus, E-D-E-N-E-X-O-D-U-S. So you go to Facebook.com slash Eden Exodus. If you want to subscribe to our Patreon, uh, Patreon, we are uh, donating all of our June Patreon earnings as well as our merchandise, which is available on Teespring, uh, Profits to uh, the Howard Brown uh, Health Center in Chicago, providing health care to LGBTQ um, humans. So that's going to be a good cause. Uh, and that is going to be patreon.com slash Leaving Eden Podcast, where we're going to have extended episodes. We have extended episodes, um, uncensored episodes. And also Sadie uh, has been writing a bunch of stuff, you know, a lot of really in-depth content an analysis of things like, you know, Handmaid's Tale, talking about what it gets right, what it gets wrong. So if you want to read that sort of thing, that's also available on the Patreon. Yeah. Sadie, do you want to plug your social media? Sure. You can follow me on Twitter at Hell yes Sadie and also on Instagram at Sadie Carpenter Music and on TikTok at Sadie Carpenter One. And you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Clubhouse at G-A-V-R-I-E-L-H-A-C-O-H-E-N. And until then, hope you guys all have a nice day. Bye-bye. But old rolling river of time Heal me in too many days No regrets, no Sorry.
Ahoy hoy. Hi, I'm Sadie. This is my friend Charlotte. And you are? Hello. I am Mr. Burns. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.